Hey, yo, what up, y'all? I am excited to share this with you. I could sing a song right now. Like, I could do backflips right now. I can do all of that. The Straight Up Podcast is now a part of the Growth Day Podcast Network. You heard it right. I told you, this year, I am not playing. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world, impact to the world, purpose to the world, and to support shows and brands that we believe in. That's what I'm a part of Growth Day. It's all about impact. And guess what? One of my friends is a part of this network, and I need you to go subscribe to his show. His name is Brendan Bruchard. I know y'all know Brendan. If you don't know Brendan, you're about to know Brendan. Go subscribe to Motivation with Brendan. Brendan is a thought leader changer. He is an OG in this space. He's helped my life so much. I could talk about Brendan for three hours. Just go listen, and I promise you, your life will never be the same. Again, it's called Motivation with Brendan. Go subscribe today and watch how your life is impacted. Hey, what's up? This is Trent Shelton. Some people know me as an author, as a speaker, as an athlete. Some people know me as the guy whose videos pop up in their social media feeds. But at the end of the day, I'm simply a man on a mission. I want to help you transform your life using the exact tools I use to transform mine. I won't say I have all the answers, but I will do everything I can to help you find yours. My goal isn't to reach millions. My goal is to reach you. Welcome to Straight Up. Let's get it. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to today's episode of Straight Up Podcast. Today is a legendary episode. I have... A guy, a man, a legend, um, a mentor, a coach. I mean, the guy wears so many titles. And what's crazy is that, you know, I've done his podcast twice uh, called Max Out. Some of you already know what I'm talking about because I know a lot of you listen to Max Out. And every time I'm out somewhere, man, you're the person that people come up to me and say, man, I heard you on the Max Out <laughs> podcast. And something that I admire about you, and I just want to say this because, like, I really don't do a lot of guests on my podcast, and I always say mm-hmm. all the guests that I bring on are people that I either know personally, which I do know you personally, are people that I'm inspired by, people that motivate me, people that I aspire to be. And so uh, mm-hmm. I want to just thank you for being who you are. Thank you for your heart. Without no further ado, welcome the one and only Ed Milet. What's up, bro? How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm with you. I can't complain when I'm with you. I have to tell you. One of my favorite human beings on the spinning earth is Trent Shelton. And I, my only regret, brother, is we don't spend more time together because we live so far apart. But you and I have some special thing, some special connection. I, I'll just tell you one thing I want you to know. I think about you and I pray about you far more than I tell you. And so uh, it's great to spend a little bit of time with you today. I'm, I, it's going to fly by, I'm sure. Oh, man. Thank you, man. Excuse typing in the background. <laughs> That's barking, right. Somebody I came got two dogs barking. Yeah, somebody came up to my door. <laughs> So I want to get right into this, man. And um, I want to ask you this because one of the things that I really like admire about you, bro, I mean, you're in position, you have a platform, you um, are reaching people all across the world, everybody knows you, but you're not afraid to talk about the things that you go through. You're not afraid to talk about your struggles. I mean, you're not even afraid to talk about days where maybe you don't stay loyal to certain habits that you're doing. Um, You talk about all the, the things that in a perfection society in social media, you don't see a lot of people doing that. And my question to you is like, what makes you want to share those parts of your life when you don't have to? Yeah, that's a great question. No one's asked me that brother. I, um, that's why I wrote the book. 
So I wrote The Power of One More. My dad, my hero, was a flawed man. And my first 15 years of my life, my dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And I watched my dad not live very well at all. Then I watched him make some decisions, one more decision, actually. And he changed into living magnificently, better than anyone I've ever known the last 35 years of his life. And it's that it's that change, that contrast between his flaws and his contributions that made me admire him so much. And so I thought, if that's what I admire about my dad so much, if my dad was perfect the whole time, he would be unapproachable, unattainable, not relatable. The truth is I'm flawed. The truth is I make mistakes. I have all these tools and things I teach in the book, but I don't use them every single day. And so I could decide that I wanted to be iconic and all that other stuff, or I could decide that I wanted to be somebody that inspired you because you can be like me, that I maybe our backgrounds are different, but I'm a flawed person. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I make mistakes every day. And I think that that should give you hope that if I can do it, you can do it. If I'm perfect, if I've got my act together all the time, how inspiring is that to somebody who's making mistakes every single day, right? And which is what I do. And so I feel like I got to, if I'm going to be in the public eye, which I really wasn't sure I wanted to be, then I'm going to really be me. I'm going to say, hey, this is a bad day. I'm hurting today. I cried today. I screwed up today. I won today. Here's how I won today. Here's my emotions. And so I feel like that's real. And I don't want to be someone's hero. I want to be somebody that you aspire, that I'm aspirational, that you go, man, I want to aspire to be like this dude. I messed up. I make some mistakes, but I keep growing. I keep making progress. I fall forward. That's sort of what I think I do every day. You, you said the word aspirational. And um, I want to ask you this because I was listening to your podcast recently and you talked about four types of people, right? Yeah. And I'm just curious about this because I know that there was a point in your life where, you know, there's somebody listening to this right now that wants to be motivational, that wants to be aspirational, yeah. but they're mm -hmm. stuck. They're stuck yeah. into their excuses. They're stuck in their fear. They're stuck into their criticism. They're stuck into, man, that can never be me. They're stuck in comparison. So, like, I always say your tugboat, the thing that pulls you through. What was the thing for you that moved you from that place of, like, you know, I'm going to stop just accepting my life and I'm going to move to being motivational? If you can talk about that timeline, um, I would yeah. really appreciate it. I love it. Yeah. So there's four. I've been all four people. And the four yeah. I've been all four of them. The, there's four types. One, they're just not motivated to move at all. They're just at that state, you know, people say, why are you such a disciplined person? Cause I'm lazy. And so if I don't yeah. have a bunch of disciplines, I will watch Netflix all day. I will eat <laughs> Cheetos. I won't work out. I won't get out of bed. So I have to have all these tools and rituals because I know me, right? So I've been unmotivated. Then the second type of person is motivated. Motivated people are moved by motives, which there's nothing wrong with that. I want this car. I want this house. I want to feel a certain way. They have motives that compel them to do things. It's great to be motivated. I've been that guy and I am that guy sometimes. Third type of person is inspirational. That's a little bit different. Inspirational is what I believe you do a lot of. I'd like to think I do some of, which is to inspire. The root of that is to be in spirit. There's an energy that you get from these people. There's a feeling. It's, I don't want to call it elevated above motivational, but it is higher in the sense that it's you're doing something for a spiritual purpose, an inspired right. state. And then the fourth type of person is aspirational. Aspirational people are who we aspire to be more like. And I'd like to think at any given time in my life, I've been all four of those people. I'd like to think at this stage, I gravitate between inspirational and aspirational most of the time, but I'm sure that that's not always the case. How did I change it? It's a great question. Of a chapter in the book called Become an Impossibility Thinker and a Possibility Achiever. And what mm -hmm. that means is this. Here's what I say specifically. We have to stop operating out of our memories and our history, and we have to begin to operate out of our imagination and our dreams. 
When you're a child, you were happier when you're a three or four or five-year-old for two reasons, in my opinion. One, you were just more recently with God. You had just left. And the second reason is you were in your imagination all the time. You were dreaming, and a different imagining is creating dreams when you're young. And then as you get older, even by the time you're 10 or 11, that begins to get suppressed, and the software in our brain changes. And we start to operate out of our memories and our history, and we begin to repeat our lives over and over again. It might be with a different cast of characters, different set of circumstances, but we get the same emotions most of the time. We have an emotional home. I have a chapter called One More Emotion. We all have four, five, six emotions that we get regularly no matter what. No matter what the external conditions are, if you're addicted to chaos, worry, fear, frustration, depression, anxiety, you find a way to get them. And if, you have, if you're addicted to love, bliss, ecstasy, passion, you'll find a way to get those as well. So the key is to begin to operate out of your imagination. Last thing I'll say is this. When you just imagine something, this may seem hokey. When you have a thought, a new thought that imagines a new future, here's what just happened. It's powerful. You now create a space that didn't exist before you had that thought in the world. A new space exists once you've had an imagination, a thought. And what happens is your reticular activating system in your brain, which is chapter two, goes to work on furnishing that new space. It does. It tries to find the people, places, things, and circumstances. Why? Because we move towards what we think about most often. We move towards what we're most familiar with. That's what our, how our brain and our spirit works. So if we're, if we're familiar with our worries, our problems, our fears, we move towards them. And if we're familiar with our imagination and our dreams, we also move towards those. And I go through very, very heavy, very, very heavy detailed tools in the book as to how to change that programming. Man, that's, oh my gosh. Like, if you guys, I'm sure everybody right now is like, I'm getting the book ASAP, man, because that is so, like, true. Like, coming back to these emotional homes that we go to, the things that are familiar. And I tell people all the time, you know, even with myself, there's times in my life where I would move towards a pain that I knew wasn't good for my life, but I would rather stay in that known pain than move into an unknown peace or an unknown journey in my life. And when you talked Me about... Too, it, we, I think we all do it, man. And, you know, you talked about, like, the impossibility. And mm -hmm. I talked about this the other day, similar, because... I'm a person, and I realize this, I don't know if it's the athletic side or whatever, but every time that I think that I can't do something, right, I think that it's impossible, I literally, like, I even live by this, because you're right, I look at my daughters, like, I look at Maya, she's five, Marley, she's three, and they think they can do anything, right? Yeah. They, they don't have a limited mindset until the world puts limitations on them. Yep. And so I always try to do something I've never done every single week, usually something with fitness, because that's the easiest thing to do. And what Me it too. does is it builds that possibility mindset in me. Like you said, like, is there certain things that you go attack that help you build that possibility mindset that becomes contagious throughout your whole entire life, your business or and things like that? I do it all the time. I, tr I chase them. I have a chapter in the book called One More Inconvenience. Mm. And the princi principle of the chapter is this. You got to do inconvenient things. As humans, we're programmed to do the convenient thing. What if you started to chase the inconvenient things in your life, the difficult mm. things? Think about how impossible it was. As Trent Shelton's running his route tree in college or his first year of pro ball, and someone whispers on his shoulder, hey, brother, just so you know, in about 10 years, you're going to be one of the most sought-after people in the world on spiritual healing, on advice, and on emotions on the planet. You'd be like, no, no, man, i got to run this down and out right now, right? Like <laughs> the idea of where you've gone is because you had these thoughts and you did these inconvenient things. And as a parent, I'm going to say something that I think will resonate with everybody. Most things with your children are caught, not taught. 
They catch it mm. from watching you and they catch your emotions. They also catch your emotions. And there's a lot of forms of child neglect. Clearly when my dad would drink, that was neglect, right? Let me give you an insidious form of child neglect. I want all the parents to hear this. You're neglecting your child if you're not pursuing your potential. Mm. That's child neglect. You are neglecting your children when you are not pursuing your imagination and your dreams. You're neglecting them. You're showing them. It's easy to say, sweetheart, you can be whatever you want. They're catching what you do. They're catching your emotions. Preach. My dad, bless his heart, was my best friend, Trent. Till the day he died, I was 50 years old when my dad died. At the end of every call, man, he loved me. But he would always say, hey, I love you. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. My father said to me, Trent, be careful. Three billion times in my lifetime. I don't even think he knew he was saying it to me. But what does that tell you in your life? Be cautious. Don't take any too many risks. People are out to get you. But there's a boogeyman. And so it's a, it's a form of programming that would steal my imagination from me. I'm like, oh, I got to be careful. I got to be careful. He didn't mean it. It was just a saying. But it's something that he did. And so those parents out there, they're catching your emotions. I learned something about my primary emotion, brother. I'll just share this with you because we're so tight. And everyone can listen. I'm about 45 years old. I've made hundreds of millions of dollars. I've married my high school sweetheart. I got great kids. I got great relationships. My career is pretty awesome. My business is. But man, did I find a way to get chaos in my life? Mm. I love me some chaos. And I just figured, I'm like, what is wrong with, why do I love, and guess what? I was going, I function well in chaos. Well, guess what? It's because it's familiar. When you grow up the son of an alcoholic, that's a chaotic environment. So my emotional home became very comfortable, almost like, I like chaos, even though it doesn't serve you, even it steals your life, even though it gives you stress. Man, I found a way, no matter what external results I produced, to get me some damn chaos. I would screw some stuff up, not settle for this, go do this over there, chase this thing, just to live in chaos. And I finally said to myself, does this serve me to live in chaos all the time? This is recent, by the way. I had happiness, I had bliss, I had all that, but I also had some chaos. And I'm like, what would my life be like if I wasn't addicted to chaos? How much beautiful of an expression of a man could I be if I wasn't always operating out of this chaotic state? And part of that chaos was I was trying to be careful all mm. the time. And so I've really, when you become aware of a thought, it loses its power over you. When you become aware of a negative emotion, it loses its power over you. So just my awareness that I, I, I here's what happens now, brother. I go, I'm doing it again. I'm doing the chaos thing again. Here I go. And it loses its power over me in the pattern. So that's a long answer to how I solve that stuff is imagination and dreams. Man, um, that's so powerful because I think awareness is the first key to elevation. You know, I think about things in my life and I can just talk about that. And I, and I want to say this, like making sure everybody heard what you said. A lot of us are living with fears that are not ours. A lot of yes. us are living with fears that we have adopted from our parents, that we've adopted yeah. from, you know, somebody on social media that we adopted from the kid we used to play with growing up. And we adopt these fears and these fears become us. I want to ask you this because you talked about, you know, chaos that's familiar to you. I have to ask you this. Where yeah. does Ed, where do you find your peace? I, feel my, I have a chapter in the book called One More Prayer. And so mm. I find my peace in prayer and I meditate as well. I get on my knees when I pray every day, brother. I get out of, it's the first thing I do every day is I pray. And the reason I get on my knees is it just makes me feel small. And I want, it's easy in life when maybe you have some influence like you and I have or some money or start thinking you're a big deal. So I literally start my day small. That doesn't mean I'm not going to, I'm going to play small. It means I understand where all these blessings come from. 
So my peace comes from my faith and my prayer. And then also there's a thing in your brain called the reticular activating system. It's the prefrontal cortex of your brain, not to get really detailed, but it's the filter that reveals the entire world to you. So it can reveal to you the opportunities, the blessings. The premise of the book is your one decision, one relationship, one choice, one meeting, one podcast, one book away from changing your life. You're closer than you think. That's a fact. The question is, how do you find them? How do you find those relationships? How do you find those decisions? How do you find those thoughts? How do you find those emotions? You have to program them. And so my peace comes because I look for it. I'm addicted now in my RAS to finding peace. I'll give you one quick example. I just bought a Tesla. I just like what Musk is doing. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get one of his cars. I don't really like them, but I want one. Brother, I'm seeing Teslas everywhere now. All of a sudden, it became important to me. I'm like, babe, white Tesla. I said, hey, honey, that's a red. I said, three lanes over, other side of the freeway. I'm doing 70 miles. Away. Babe, Tesla, Tesla. They're freaking everywhere, right? Because they become important. Here's the hook. They were always there. Yeah. But I didn't see them before. I didn't see them. And when something gets programmed in the RAS, like peace that you're seeking, because it's already within us, like peace, like your goal, like that meeting you need, they become your Teslas. And you see them everywhere. The hook is they were always there. You were just oblivious to them because they weren't important enough to you. So how do you make peace your priority? And I teach you in the book how to do that through visualization. Oh, man, that's so powerful, man. And, you know, I, I get a little bit emotional, man, just hearing you talk about one more. And I'm going to sing you this. Like, I can't remember it uh, verbatim, but I have mm -hmm. it in my room at my parents' house, man. And it's a poem that I wrote when I was at my no lowest. Way. And literally, it's called One More. And basically, it's, what? you know, when you feel like you have no really? faith. I, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to send it to you. I posted it on social media maybe, maybe a few weeks ago. And I was like, and it kind of goes like, if, you know, if you, if you feel like God isn't there for you, just tell yourself one more prayer, right? You feel like you want to give up on life, mm -hmm. just tell yourself one more day. I'm going to send it to you, man, because I think My that's gosh. so important because your breakthrough, as you said, could be one more something away. And so many of us, it we quit often before our breakthrough, right? And so... I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. I want to ask you this question because there are a lot of people listening to this episode right now. It's like, Trent, Ed, that's easy for you to say. You have the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't go through anything. I want to ask you this because there's a lot of people that are living in fear. There's a lot of people that live in the fear of criticism, right? They don't go for it. They don't go for that one more because they're afraid to be judged. They don't go for that next level of their life because they're afraid of what comes with it. They're afraid of losing people. So, how do you, as a person with a huge platform, I'm sure everybody likes you in the world, right? But how does, how does a person <laughs> like you deal with criticism? How do you overcome that fear? Was it even a fear for you in the first place? Huge fear. I'm super shy, super introverted. And usually those of us that are shy and introverted, there's a reason for it. I don't want to get, I don't like when I let people down. I don't like that feeling. And I, I, I can honestly tell you that you've hit on an area that still is an area of progress for me. Um, however, what I have learned is that most people aren't thinking about me. They're thinking about what I'm thinking about them. I'm going to say that again. Most people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about what you're thinking about them. And it's a fact. And the other thing I have to tell you is that the older that I get is there are a lot of people in the world who want to project their small thinking, small life, small thoughts Preach. and small emotions onto you. And Talk they're going to do it regularly. And you need to see it when it's coming. These people are what I call dream stealers. And some of them, by the way, love you. They don't have ill intent. You got to distinguish in your life between who has malice towards me, who's antagonistic, and who's just small. Who's just a small spirit, small thinker, small doer. But when they do it to me, I see it. And I know what it is. 
And it is, and here's what it is, everyone, especially if there's someone close to you who's criticizing you. Distant haters, they're just small people with small thoughts, with small lives. That's so small, they will type something to you that's negative. Feel empathy for them. And I mean this sincerely. But if there's someone close to you who's like, why are you changing? Why is it all about the money for you now? What's about all this growth? When's enough enough? How come you can't just settle? What they're really afraid of, especially if you're in a personal relationship, remember this. They're afraid you're leaving them. They're afraid you're leaving them. They're seeing you grow and change, and that person you used to be is leaving, and you're becoming a new person. And it's a metaphor to them that you may leave them altogether. Your mom's afraid you may leave altogether. Your dad's afraid you, your sister's afraid, your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, that's fear they're expressing to you. They're afraid of who the change you're happening. They're afraid you may leave them. They're afraid of being alone. So I have empathy for people who hate on me. If they're a distant person, they're small and projecting their smallness onto me and their misery. If they're close to me, they're afraid I'm leaving. And here's the real truth. You may be. You may outgrow the person you're with. You may outgrow them. And it's incumbent upon them to grow their way with you. And so that's the sense they're having. People only hurt other people when they're operating out of fear or hurt themselves. And I'm, it took me 50 years, and I want everyone just to get this one more time. If someone's hurting you, they are operating out of fear or hurt of their own. And if you can dig deeper, not just to not listen to them, but to actually have empathy for them and sympathy for them, you will find an inner strength that actually, when you get those types of responses, grows your spirit. You elevate when you get it because it's actually true. I can promise you they're operating out of fear and hurt themselves. Feel sorry for them. Man, one thing about me, I love fashion. And I always made a promise to myself, once I started my brand, I would come out with my own brand. I would rock my own clothes. I would wear my own hats. And today, I just released my new line of hats at shoprehabtime.com through Shopify. And listen, y'all, it's so easy. All because I use Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, whenever, Whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And just keeping it straight up, Shopify helped me take my brand from out the trunk because I was selling my merch out the trunk to now a worldwide brand reaching customers all across the globe. And what I love about Shopify also, there's no limit. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success 
every step of the way. Because business that grow, grow Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Trent, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Trent now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash Trent. Make sure Trent is lowercase. Let's get it. Have you felt ever felt guilty for that? Like leaving people behind? Because I know I know I have. And I know a lot of people listening yeah. to this is like, you know, um, I understand that. I understand that in order to move up, there's some things that must be willing to give up. In order to move forward, there's some things that must be living by, leaving mm-hmm. to leave behind. But mm-hmm. there is sometimes a sense of guilt, you know, when you do this. Have you dealt with that? Yeah. And how do you yes. get through the guilt of leaving people yeah. behind? Yeah. I'm not a big one for cutting people completely out of my lives unless they're really antagonistic, but I do reduce the proximity. Mm. I reduce their proximity. They're not as close. I don't talk to them as regularly, but I'm there for them if they need me. So I always feel like I haven't left them completely, but I have changed our proximity. The second thing is that most everything in life is temporary. I was with my father, and I know you just went through this too with mom. Yeah. But I was with my father when his body ended its time on earth. Even our bodies are temporary. And so... I've just realized in my life that not everyone's supposed to be in my life for my entire life. And sometimes God puts people, think, go back to high school. How many great friends you had in high school that you don't really talk too much anymore. But if you <laughs> ran into them, oh, brother, oh, sis, it'd be amazing, right? There's this thing. Facts. Or even teammates of yours in mine, teammates of yours yeah. in mine that, man, you haven't seen them in 10 years. One second back, man, you just back, right? They were in your life for a season. So why is it that in high school or grade school or elementary school or in sports, we accept the fact that some people were in our life for those seasons and there's new ones now. But once we get away from that time in our life, now everybody above 25 is supposed to be in your life forever. Now yeah. that I'm 25 or 22 or 31, now it's permanent. They got to be in my life the next 80 years. Well, maybe God brought them into your life or you into their life for that season. And I've not dropped, I've dropped almost nobody. There's three or four people like they, they are out banished from my universe, Right. But the vast majority of people, they're just not as pro- their proximities change to me and their times change. But if they called me and said, I need you, right? My, my best friend from high school, if he called me right now, and we still talk a little bit, I need you, bro. I'm one second away, man. I got you. But I'm not having breakfast with him six days a week. I have breakfast with my wife six days a week, right? So there's a just difference in proximity. And that's how I've dealt with the guilt of it. <clears throat> yeah, man. And, and I, um, and that's beautifully explained, man, because. I do know this with people. Sometimes we keep things in our life past its expiration date. You know, yes. and uh, I always say when it's past its expiration date, like milk in the refrigerator, it's going to be yeah. sour. And I've realized mm-hmm. that, okay. as you said, some things aren't meant to last a lifetime. And I think some things like sometimes as people, we think that everything is meant to last forever. And so you can understand when someone's expiration date has been met, when their season is over, it'll allow you to move forward and actually grow your life. And can I, I say one thing about you on that? Yeah, can I absolutely. say one thing on that? No, I think it's just absolutely. critical because it's your work. That belief system hurts us in other ways too, that this is forever. This friend, They also think the pain they're in is forever. Mm. See, you have this forever mentality in your life. Napoleon Hill says in Think and Grow Rich, if you can survive the temporary pain you're in, on the other side of that pain, you get introduced to what he calls your other self. Your other self. There's an other mm. you waiting on the other side of this pain. Many of your friendships aren't permanent, and that's okay. And I can tell you this, none of the pain you're in is permanent the way you feel it now. And there's another, there's another place, there's another self for you. For you and I, we both still feel a lot of pain from our, our parents dying. But the way our relationship with that pain 
changes over time, doesn't it? And so it's temporary every single time. Nothing you're going through is permanent. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Don't make permanent decisions based upon temporary circumstances. And I think I've done a lot of that in my life, for sure, with certain things. And it's so true, man. Um, I always say there's a greater you. The greatest you is waiting for you. And it's something that you taught me a lot. And I think you're known for this is, you know, uh, when you die, you know, the, actually, you explain it about, you know, meeting two versions of yourself. Well, my whole life, I'm chasing this guy. I want to go to heaven. And I'm a Christian. So I want the Lord to go well done, good and faithful servant. That's the whole shebang. Right. But yeah. for me, I have this hallucination that when I get there, there's more. God made us all in his image and likeness with a destiny and a plan. And I'm chasing that man, the man I'm capable of becoming, the guy with the contribution, the memories, the moments, the emotions, the things with his family, that life. And when I get there, when I die, I get to meet that guy. And I want him to go, hey, man, I've been watching you. And I'm going to go, brother, I've been chasing yeah. that Ed Milet <laughs> for 88 years. And I want him to go, you caught me. You did it, man. You fulfilled it. You did it all. You had the emotions, the memories, the contribution. Man, you did it. To me, if I catch that dude and we're identical twins, that's Ooh. heaven. Wow. But if I meet him or you wow. meet her and you're total strangers, that's hell. That's hell. My version of hell is I meet this man I was capable of being and we're complete strangers. And so most of the decisions I make in my life, which way to go? Does it get me closer to that man or further away? It's a pretty good barometer. Does it get you closer to that woman or further away? And here's the great news. At any point in your life, it's never too late to begin chasing them again. My father spent, you know, 45 years of his life not chasing that man correctly. Had he died at 45, my father would have been complete strangers with the man he was capable of becoming. And then one decision to get sober led to a completely different life. And I'm very confident my dad's in heaven and living in heaven because at some point in his life, he made the change to start chasing that man he was capable of becoming. Was it... What was that decision for him to get sober, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I have it in the book. He, um, yeah. My mother, he had tried so many times. Finally, we're driving to a Little League baseball game. Never seen my dad cry, man, before this or after. But as we're driving, I'm looking at my dad, and he's crying. So I know he's going to tell me something. And he looks at me, pulls over. <clears throat> I get emotional now telling you this because it's changed my life. He goes, I'm going to go away, and when I come back, I'm going to try not to drink anymore. And I, he goes, I'm going to give it one more try. I'll never forget it. There's a whole chapter in the book called One More Try. And I said, Dad, what would be any different this time? And he goes, I'm going to lose my family. Your mom's told me that she's taking you and the, your sisters. And the truth is, you and your sisters deserve a dad you can be proud of. And your mom deserves a husband she can respect. So I'm going to give it one more try. And then when he came back, the one more popped back up, brother. I said, I said, Daddy, are you never going to drink again the rest of your life? He goes, I don't know. I'm just not going to drink for one more day. And what you said earlier about quitting, there's been so many things in my life I was about to quit. And I go, you know what? I just won't quit for one more day. See how I feel tomorrow. And that turned into another day and another day. So, yeah, my dad's decision came down to he was going to lose his family. And was he willing to give it one more try? I got to share this with you because I was going to tell you this. I was going to tell you this before, sure. just before, because I know we have limited time. I wrote this whole book, man. I'm very proud of it. It's a heavy book, by the way. There's a lot of details in there. Like it's real heavy, the real ta tactics and strategies. About two weeks ago, I wake up. It's about three fifteen because my dad's decision to get sober changed my entire family forever. It's why I'm talking to you. I've influenced millions of people because my dad made that decision. My kids' lives are different. 
and it recruited, I woke up crying, which I don't cry much myself. And, uh, I woke Christiana up, my wife. I said, babe, wake up. She goes, what, what, what? I said, someone helped daddy. She went, what? I said, someone helped my dad. I never thought about it before. And she said, what do you mean? I said, someone helped my dad get sober. Here I am, 51 years old, Trent. I wrote a whole book. I've lived my whole life. It never occurred to me. I said, I don't know who this person is. They changed my entire family tree. In my dad's darkest hour in some coffee shop somewhere or some room, this person helped my dad get sober. And I said, babe, here's what's nuts. Do you know what qualified this person to help my dad? That their life was a mess. That they were also an alcoholic and a drug addict and it made a mess of their life. The very fact that person never knew all the drinking, all the drugs they used was preparing them to change my family's life. God used this person whose life was a mess to save my family and for me to help millions. Little did that drug addict or alcoholic know that the decision they made in that quiet moment to help my father has helped me reach millions of people. The ripple effects of our mess, if we will use it to serve other people, is unbelievable. So the very mm. fact that your listener is going, me? Who am I? You don't know my screw-ups. You don't know this sin. You don't know how broke I am. You don't know about my relationship breakup. You don't know this mistake I've made. You don't know how insignificant my life's been so far. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm talking to you right now because a drug addict and an alcoholic took their entire mess and decided at least for a moment of their life to help my father. And whoever they are, I thank them to this day if they're still alive. I'll never know who they were because it's an anonymous program. I will never meet them. And this precious soul whose life was also a mess qualified them that mess to change the world. And so you never know the ripple effects of you. And yes, your skills, your gifts, and your mess are what qualify you to have an amazing message to help another person. Just occurred they, to me, brother, oh two weeks gosh. ago. Oh, my gosh. Like, is that, is that amazing? Uh, it's beyond amazing, man, because that's the message that people need to hear because yes. so many people disqualify themselves because of their mess. Yes. When yes. that's the one thing that actually qualifies you. Qualified like, I'm not going to take advice from a plumber on how to fix a roof, right? I'm going right. to go to a plumber to actually yeah. find out how to be a plumber. Yeah. And so many of us, we yeah, think, I'm, oh, I'm not going to take advice of how to get out of my pain <laughs> unless I'm talking to someone who's had pain. Thank you. Right? Thank you. I need oh someone who's had pain. And this, my, my father was a tough, what, listen, think about this. Probably a bunch of normal people tried to get my dad to get sober all those other times. It took someone completely messed up to say, I know the pain. I know the journey. I know the shame. I know the mistakes. I know exactly what it's like. And they helped my dad. And here we are, bro. It's incredible how human beings, we are designed to bless one another. And the blessing is actually these things that we're most embarrassed about, most ashamed of, are the things that are the greatest gifts we can give to the world. Oh, man, it qualifies you. I just, I know yeah. somebody listened to this episode today, man, that takeaway and that breakthrough is going to be a person that gives their story to the world, man. I just, I, I thank so. you for sharing that. And I, I have two questions for you before we leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I want you to talk about the book, where people can find it when it comes out, sure. how to follow you, listen to Max out. The question, the first question I want to ask you is this, and, you know, as you said, I just went through basically the same thing you went through. And I know a lot of people struggle with grief. A lot of people struggle with losing a loved one. Um, your dad is your hero, your best friend. Like, how did that change you? 
um, in a positive way or a negative way? And how have you been able to deal with the grief of, you know, losing somebody you knew for your whole life? Like you, it's still a journey. I watched the picture you posted the other day at your mother's gravesite. I think it was yeah. your mom's gravesite. Yeah. Yep. And I, uh, took a little quiet moment there and it was one of my other cries just for a second. Cause just, uh, just, just the look on your face, man, my dad, uh, a couple of things have happened. I needed, I th- sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what would I need to believe about this for it to serve me? Because it's not the events of our life that define us. It's the meaning we attach to it. And that meaning gives us an emotion and then we behave. So I just take control of the questions. I have a thing in the book called one more question. What would I need to believe? And the truth is, I may not be honoring my dad this way, and you may not be honoring your mom this way. We may not be imparting these lessons upon everybody else had we not lost them the way we did. And my dad, for all of his mistakes, man, people are like, why do you love people so deeply? I have to tell you, man, even at a time in our country where this wasn't normal, my dad truly loved all people. Like, my dad was a real special dude. Like, our neighborhood was every ethnicity on the planet and uh that wasn't normal back then like tony and eleanor lived next door they're african-american the other side of me was a japanese couple alan across the street was eddie padilla who was hispanic alan vital african-american across the street um we had korean neighbors the kims across over there and my dad just i watched my dad like just love all these people of all faiths of all backgrounds and i caught that from him as a boy And I think, gosh, thank God that was my dad because I have this platform and I really have a very diverse platform of people that follow me. I found that I learned that love for all people through my dad. And so I just take away what would I need to believe about my dad's passing? And what I need to believe about that was that my own health is more important. My own relationships have become more important. The lessons my dad gave me are so much ironically deeper in my soul than they would be if he were here. It's almost like his soul left the lessons with me on a deeper level. And I know you feel that with your mom too. Like when my dad was alive, I knew I learned these things. I knew the depth of my feeling of it, my depth of my ability to deliver it has gone a hundred million levels deeper now that his body is no longer here. I believe that about his passing. And so I'm always asking myself, what do I need to believe about it? And I, um, I believe that I'm supposed to honor my dad, but also honor people listening with these amazing lessons and the combination of my life experience with my dad's life experience. It's kind of like for you. It's your life experience with your mom's experience and others and our our grandparents as well, right? But like my dad was a real unique dude, man, real special man, very complicated, very complex man. And um, that's what I believe about it. And that's how I've dealt with the grief. And I still deal with grief. I I got off stage the other day. It was like 30,000 people, bro. And I went, I'm gonna call him dad. Dad. Oh, I I can't. I can't. That's who I would call. You know, so I still have those moments where it makes me emotional right now. Like I really wanted to call him say, dad, this, this was a good one. And I can say one thing to you, brother, just to wrap things up. If you want to know the power of one more, it's when I take it from you, when you can't have it anymore, when you can't have a one more, my favorite thing in the world, bro, we're both crappy golfers, but I love to golf with my dad. My dad was a real simple dude. My jets, I've had five jets. All five of my jets, Trent, were parked within walking distance of my dad's house if he took a long walk. He's never been on one of them. He could care less. I say, Dad, I said, Dad, let's fly to Hawaii and play some golf. He'd go, now why would I go all the way to Hawaii to golf with my son when I could just play here in Chino? It's not about the golf. It's about my son. 
And my dad would never care about that stuff. And do you know what I would give for one more round of golf with my dad? One more time with that man sitting right next to me, deep conversation, watch him walk across the green once, you know, hey, dad, good putt. That was a pretty good one, wasn't it, Eddie? Put his arm on me. Do you know what I would do for one more of those? Some of you, what would you do for one more talk with your mother who's gone? There's one more chance to hold her hand, tell her, I love you, mama, one more time. And if they are here, what if you started to treat that conversation with your daughter, with your mom, like you only had one more? What if you listened to this podcast today like it was only one more? What if you started to walk into those meetings you're having like, what if this is my last meeting? If you're an athlete, this is my last game. We've only had one more game, right? And so when I, you understand the power of one more when it's taken from you. And I know you relate to that. And so for me, I try to live my life honoring my dad. And I try to live my life with most people going, hey, man, what if this was my last conversation with Trent, you know, my brother, you know? And so it just makes a deeper impact on us when we take it away and we view things that way. Oh, my gosh, man. I don't even want to ask the next question. I just want to <laughs> just allow that to breathe, bro, because that's what life is all about, because you're right. There's going to come a time where there is only one more. And none mm -hmm. of us knows when that last one more is, man. And I know, bro, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, but just mm -hmm. I know the listeners right now can feel it, too. Your book, man, is I can't wait to get it. I can't wait Thank to read you, it. Bro. I can't wait. Are you are you doing an audio book, too? Yeah, just finished the audio part. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to hear it, man. And um, thank you because I'm a firm believer, bro. This is what the world needs at this time, man. The power Me of too. one more. And I gotta ask you this, Ed. When as I leave, as we leave, um, what does fulfillment mean to you? That word fulfillment. So I think we're so doing many it. Us, we chase it. Go we're ahead. doing it right now. We're doing uh, it. I love. I love. Like, man, I don't have all the answers. You know, I met Wayne Dyer when I was really young. If y'all don't know who Wayne Dyer is, look him up because Trent Shelton is Wayne Dyer on another level reincarnated. But um, he was this really spiritual guru guy, but a beautiful man. I met him when I was young. And he goes, Eddie, you're going to change the world. And he goes, you're brilliant. And you this is your ability to communicate. And he goes, that is not why. And I said, why? He said, because you really intend to do well. You intend to help people. And I've always held, held on to that. My confidence doesn't come from my abilities because I don't have that many. And I don't really... I couldn't even tell you what all of them are, but I know I intend to make a difference. Like I really want to help people and fulfillment to me is not a jet. I've tried it by the way, I'm keeping it, but it doesn't fulfill me. I live here at the beach. I'm looking at the ocean. It's really beautiful, but it doesn't fulfill me. My spirit feels full and at home when I'm with other human beings and we're helping one another, not just me helping them. I get stuff too from people. People serve one another. To me, that's just like I'm, my heart is full. I don't get tired. I'm never fatigued. I never not want to do it. It's the only thing in my life that I look forward to doing all the time, and I feel like it's home. Like I feel like this is what God, this is the guy I'm chasing, what he should be doing right now. Yeah. And so for me, that's fulfillment. It's like just, hey, man, just loving on serving people. Last thing I'll say to you, I worked at this orphanage, and it changed my life. I know you know the story. We don't have time to get into it today, but. When I walked into that orphanage, all the boys were 8 to 10 years old, all my little boys. I had no psychology background and no kids of my own. I had no qualifications. But as you said earlier, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's right. And you know what those boys wanted from me? I'll never forget it, and I've never forgotten it. They have these eyes, man, that come from that kind of family because I come from it. They wanted someone to love them, care about them. Here's a biggie. Believe in them. And then just show them how to do a little better. Love, 
care, believe, just do a little better. And what I found out when I no longer work there is they weren't unique. Every human being wants you to love them, care about them. Here's a biggie. I'll say it again. Really believe in them. Just show them how to do something better. And people, how'd you make hundreds of millions in business? Because I've never approached business for money. I've always approached business about people. People matter. Things don't. And all people that I deal with, I try to show them some love. Doesn't mean I don't get intense. Doesn't mean I don't rebuke. Jesus even rebuked the, the, the apostles, right. right? But I'll tell you, I love people. I care about people. I try my best to find reasons to believe in people. And then just show them how to do a little better. That's what you and I did today, hopefully. So, uh, We did it, man. You filled a lot of people up, bro. You filled me up. I always say it's the best podcast when you forget that you're doing a podcast. <laughs> and I totally <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, forgot. Right. Like, we just here, man. Um, before we get out of here, let everybody bro. know um, about the book, where they can find it, uh, your socials, yeah. your podcast, man. Let everybody know. Book's called The Power of One More. Get it anywhere books are sold. There's a website called thepowerofonemore.com. There's some unique tools on there that'll help you even more than the book or in addition to the book. Podcast is Ed Milet, E-D-M-Y-L-E-T-T. Social, same thing everywhere. And I love you, brother. Like, I just really wish we were neighbors because we would hang out every damn day, I'm sure. So hopefully man, we'll do more stuff bro. together. Thanks for I having me I love you too, today. man. Thank you for your heart, bro. Thank you for maxing out. And thank you for just impacting the world with your life, bro. Thank you. Great to see you. Like I always you. say, y'all, it all starts with you. It's rehab time. Let's get it. Make sure you follow it. Make sure you get the book. A lot of books gifted to people, your kids, your neighbors, your dogs, your cats, everybody. Everybody needs this book. Like I always <laughs> tell you, it all starts with you. Straight up, let's get it. Man, one thing about me, I love fashion. And I always made a promise to myself, once I started my brand, I would come out with my own brand. I would rock my own clothes. I would wear my own hats. And today, I just released my new line of hats at shoprehabtime.com through Shopify. And listen, y'all, it's so easy. All because I use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Whenever, whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And just keeping it straight up, Shopify helped me take my brand from out the trunk because I was selling my merch out the trunk to now a worldwide brand reaching customers all across the globe. And what I love about Shopify also, there's no limit. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because business that grow, grow Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Trent, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Trent now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash Trent. Make sure Trent is lowercase. Let's get it. Hey, I want to make sure you got my phone number. Like, for real, for real. No kidding. Did you even know that I have a community text number? And if you don't, where have you been? So go ahead, take out your pen and paper, take out your phone, and write this number down. My phone number is 817-242, yep, 2719. I'm going to repeat it for you. 817-242-2719. People always ask, Trent, how did you get that community text number? How does it work? Well, today's your lucky day. Go to community.com and go get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using texting. People just text you at the number, they're added to the group, and then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. Like you already know, I text out podcast links, random things about life, I text out surprises, all the things that I don't post anywhere else except my rehabber text community. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly to you. And guess what? Now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your number. They'll give you a 10-digit real phone number. Not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than just a number, y'all. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS texting. This means you can actually manage your text links from your community and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts at certain times to certain groups. It even comes with auto-replies, so many things. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your phone number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for just that. So go to check them out at community.com. That's community.com. Let's get it.